I'm Yosef Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today we're going to talk about guns and time. I'm going to start with the light stuff, the easy stuff, and then you're going to want to stay for the harder hitting stuff that comes toward the end of the show because we're going to talk about time and what time means. But first, let's talk about guns. For example, we have Congressman Massey from, I believe, Kentucky. Congressman Massey and Congressman Thomas Massey. He is an MIT graduate, smart guy. Looks like he's got a nice house. I suspect that's his family and that's, those are all of his guns, right? So what does that mean that he sends this as a Christmas card? A lot of liberals will say that like, well, you know, the problem is the guns. The problem is the guns. I'm going to go the other way and say that the problem isn't the guns. By the, the problem is by the time you're sending this as a Christmas card, you have a distorted notion of Christianity and a family, right? Because I can imagine, and I'll say this again, by the time you are sending this as a Christmas card, you have a distorted notion of, of a family and Christianity. And that's the problem. Why do I say that's the problem? See, I can imagine someone who actually has a very affinity or an affinity for guns, has all these guns collected, except doesn't send this as a Christmas card because he doesn't think that on the, uh, you know, the celebration of Jesus' birth, that the message from the celebration of Jesus' birth is that you should bring out all of your guns, right? Because, you know, you read Luke, you, you read the Bible, it turns out that Mary and Joseph didn't fare too well with the innkeepers and they pretty much had to sneak into a manger. So if the nativity was really about the innkeeper coming out, guns blazing, and shooting, mowing down little baby Jesus as a matter of standard ground laws, then I could see this, um, I could see this uh, being fitting. But it turns out that there were no rooms at the t <laughs> There were no rooms. So Mary and Joseph had to uh, uh, improvise. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's my Christianity. So there's a very specific kind of Christianity that says that this is an appropriate celebration. And, you know, if Santa actually comes down that chimney, he gets shot. So like I said, there's a very specific kind of Christianity that um, would support this being, the, you know, the appropriate emblem. Right. There's also so it doesn't really matter how you feel about guns. This is about how you feel about Christianity. Also, there's a you can feel very you can be very 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 pro gun and still not be particularly excited about giving your daughter an Uzi, like for a Christmas card because that's not really your family values. Your family values is to keep them in keep them in the safe or in the shed uh, under a lock and in case there is a need for you to I don't know. Um, organizing a well-ordered militia, then like, you know, you, you duly deputize, you know, young Kimberly or whatever. But I don't, there's a way in which you could be pro-gun, but have a conception of family that actually precludes you sending this as your Christmas card. Maybe you send a, a picture of everyone sitting around at the table, or you could do the Mormon thing where you go on the beach and all wear white, or you could like um, everyone playing, um, uh, you know, football in the in the in the lawn. 
that would be a Christmas card. But no, it's a very particular understanding of family that says like, you know what, this is the appropriate Christmas card to represent my family. So what we're not talking about is guns, but what we're talking about is Congressman Massey's kind of distorted notion of, of Christianity and family. And if you actually want to address this in a serious way, you have to go at the way the whites think about Jesus and family, right? This isn't necessarily a gun problem. This is a distorted family and Christianity problem, right? Because, uh, you know, this, this, this picture, there's nothing about this picture that says like responsible anything. This says immoderate. I am wealthy and immoderate. And you know what happens when you tick off and make wealthy and immoderate people lose, uh, nervous? They shoot people. This is what it says. I am wealthy and I am immoderate. I am wealthy and I am immoderate. Right? Because, you, you know, I don't know if his wife or that woman in the picture, if that gun goes off, I, you know, I don't know about the guy in the plaid shirt. Right? And apparently the gun that Massey is holding is one used in Full Metal Jacket or one of those movies, Platoon maybe, um, where they were mowing down civilians. And then the other one, the gun in the, in, the, in the stripes, and the guy with the stripes was used during the, like, the Rwandan genocide. So like these guns, I'm going to wait for like a gun aficionado to, to tell the truth. I think these are not precision weapons. These are not precision weapons. And these are weapons of imprecision, I think on purpose. Right? These are weapons that say, like, I can't be responsible for what happens if I get angry. Um, uh, but I'll keep a nice orderly fascism as long as you keep me uh, happy. Right? So I think, like, when you send this out as a Christmas card, this means you have a distorted notion of your family. This means you have a distorted notion of Christianity. And, yeah, so that those two mutually... Um, uh, mutually support a distorted version of what a Christmas card entails. And you have to take that seriously. I think you have to take that seriously because if you just think about this as guns and think this is about guns, I think you miss what's going on and you miss how to fix it. Because in a well-ordered world, his pastor would pull him aside and saying that like, I don't know if little baby Jesus would appreciate you um, doing this. If in a well-ordered world, his family members or her family members, we don't know who decided this to be the picture, um, uh, would say that like, you know what, I support your guns. I just don't think that the family picture should be us um, holding weapons. At, like I said, none of them are like really weapons of precision <laughs> per se. You got like a shotgun and then an Uzi, like the little girl with an Uzi. That's pretty much saying they're like, I can't be responsible for who gets shot um, if this goes south. Right, so these are weapons of imprecision, I think, on purpose. On purpose. And because it's supposed to say that, it's supposed to say that I can't be responsible. I don't really, um, it's, it's, it's your fault for making me upset. <laughs> these are guns that say, it's your fault for making me upset. I can't be responsible for who, who, who actually dies. Right, there were no scope. Like, I mean, maybe there's a scope, but yeah, you get the idea, right? These are suppression. <laughs> like, this, these are, are weapons that say that 
I have an I am going to be immoderate and sovereign and un unaccountable in my expressions of power. So the best thing you could do is not tick me off. And with that, I am going to hit the beat and we're going to talk about something a little bit headier. Oops. Let me get the opening. Where's my opening? You know what opening I was listening to uh, a lot this week? I can't find the opening. I guess I'll, I'll, I, was, I was singing the, uh, somehow I woke up a few days ago singing the Boondocks opening. Boom, 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 boom. I'm a stone that the builder refused. I, you know what I'm talking about. So I was singing that to myself and I couldn't figure out why. Um, but you know, that came out 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Still relevant today, which means time is, we haven't really gotten much better. <laughs> like, um, I'm stoned at the build refuse. Give me a shout out in the, uh, in the comments if you remember the, the boondocks. Yeah, I was, I'm a fan. I, I was a fan, right? So, um, but uh, yeah, all of that is the boondocks. Well, like, all of that is still relevant today. Let me get this picture down because I'm, I'm not very happy. So that's about Tom Mattesy. If you want to get rid of that kind of whiteness, you, can, you don't go after the guns. You go after the church. You go after his conception of the family because that's what's distorted. Mutually reinforcing institutions of this kind of colonial supremacy. And if you're sending this out, uh, if you're sending this out as a Christmas card, this is white supremacy because your, your job is to inspire fear into people like me who now know that you can't be responsible for what you do if something happens to pop off because, you know, these are the guns you have. These are weapons of imprecision on purpose, by design. All right, so now we're going to talk about time. Different conversation. I'm reading a book by a guy named Collingswood, R.G. Collingswood. He's a kind of a philosopher and a philosopher of history. I read his book on history in my 20s. You know, I didn't quite get it, but I, I think that was more about me than him. But um, he's writing a book about nature now, and I'm a bit of, you know, I'm a philosopher, I'm a bit of an omnivore when it comes to everything that is. So I studied nature, and I was just helping out a professor in this philosophy of science class. So like, in philosophy of science and philosophy of nature kind of are, are, have a dual or have a share an origin. And so, I, you know, I read this book. I was reading this book by Collingswood, and it's very good. And so I'm going to recommend it: the idea of nature. Right? And I'm going to actually tell you, run through a few of the arguments because that's why I'm here. All right? So what does that mean? Right, so the idea of nature, you have to understand the kind of questions you ask about science change based on what kind of thing you think the object is. Right? If you think the object is unchangeable, then the, questions, the scientific questions you ask are, how is it arranged? What kind of parts of it so that it keeps replenishing itself when its material kind of deteriorates, right? So for the Greeks, the ancients, um, especially Aristotle, he pretty much thought that, you know, all these things that you study in nature, all these living organisms are eternal, right? They've always been here, they'll always be. So if you're going to study them, what you need to study is how they reproduce themselves, how they replenish, how they develop, how they develop in a way, how they're organized such that they develop in a way that there will always be deer, there will always be fish, Right? So you need to study the, the reproduction. You need to study what they look like in maturity. You need to know how all of their organs work in a way that sustains the kind because the kind is the object of study. Right? Because these things are eternal. You don't really study how the, 
the kind changes so much as you you study how its parts work together to reproduce the same right so if you're going to study deer you study and this is why they call species species are species insofar as they reproduce um fertile offspring because that's what it is to be a kind of thing to be able to reproduce fertile offspring and to actually reproduce fertile offspring right and so uh, aberrations are things that can't reproduce fertile offspring and then but actual kinds natural kinds reproduce fertile offspring they move in such a way or they're organized so that their organs move and interact in such a way that it reproduces the kind of thing that it is because it's taken that its kind is eternal all right that's phase one the ancients then you get to the renaissance and it stops being so much about um how a thing is organized such that it sustains itself but it's about creation right so there's an external creator which is interesting right so it's about creation and there's an external creator that actually works on materials right so with the ancients you don't really get it's not really a materialist um it's not about the matter it's about the form it's about the quality of the kind of organs that um that that uh work together to sustain the being of the of the animal that is that exists with the renaissance it starts being about the creator and the decisions the creator making the design that then gets realized in the thing it's about an it's about a design things don't um sustain themselves as much as they were designed or they were designed to say they were designed out of material and so you need to start testing material and figuring out which kind of material fits with which part in what ways because things are worked on and they are created and they're created from material so it's not about a story of of organs kind of replenishing themselves and and how animals reproduce themselves but it's a story about how they are manufactured so with galileo you get less of this you know um uh art imitates nature things that are made imitate things that are natural and more of things that are natural imitate things that are made so if you want to understand the natural world you know talk to machinists <laughs> and people who make things right and so and and what they do is a lot of times they test materials that's part of the gig it's not just designing things they have to also test materials so you have to have like a different kind of material science um and it's not just about things as they function, but things prior to their function as you are like thinking about what materials you have in order to build what you want, right? So we have a lot of tests for materials in a way that you don't have with the ancients because the ancients don't test materials. They test like the functioning of the thing um, as it is whole. They don't have to worry about building it <laughs> in the same way. They don't think, and, and they don't call that physics, right? They don't call that nature. Right, so matter matters for the Renaissance people in a way that it doesn't matter for uh, the ancients. It's not just form. For Aristotle, it's mostly form. It's the form that makes the thing what it is. If, you know, if I throw a rock at a cow, throw a rock at a tiger, and throw a rock at an alligator, it's not going to be the matter that, that, that or a cow, tiger, or what else is about that heavy? I don't know. Um, a baby elephant. There, they, it's what's gonna, what's going to 
the matter isn't going to affect how they react, but their form, because their form is their nature. The form is like the organs they have and how they kind of interact with each other, right? They're all going to be mostly made out of the same matter, blood and bones and all that stuff. All right, so for the Renaissance people, you're talking about not just um, form, you're talking about also matter, so we have to test matter to find tension and find out like how much stress a thing, a thing can take, a um, uh, material can take before you, before you put it in its functioning part, right? So that gets interesting, but what gets really interesting is when we think about not that we're um, eternal, not that people are created, but when we start thinking that people, are actually, people actually develop out of history and we get a historical sensibility, that affects the way we think about science. And that kind of paves the way for evolution. Right? So now we're starting to think about people and things and ourselves as developing out of time. Developing. So what does it mean to develop? That means you weren't what you were before. And that you can only study, you can only study not only people, but things in nature, there's going to be an analog that goes along with them in a bounded period of time. And I'm going to go into a, a rather, it's, I think it's a really good metaphor, analog or a, a example, but um, it might be heady, right? So you have a molecule of water. You have a molecule of water that is made up of the interaction of two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom. But they have to interact in a certain way, and it takes time for them to interact in a certain way. If you know anything about electrons, they're not really things as much as they're like probability shells that are always kind of moving, but there's not really a that. There, so the idea is that for a water molecule to be what it is, there needs to be a time that elapses for the hydrogen... Um, oxygen and the other hydrogen to interact in a certain way. And there's going to be a shorter amount of time where you could take that same molecule, but since you're taking it at a shorter amount of time, um, it's qualitatively different because you're just dealing with a, two hydrogens and an oxygen that hasn't uh, gone into the rhythm in the process that would constitute a water molecule, right? So, so how can I put this more in, um, in, in, in a less abstract or a less scientific metaphor? If you want to study a baby, you cannot, you cannot design your study to take 10 years and still think you're studying a baby at the end of your study. Because at the end of your study, your baby has become a 10-year-old. So if you want to study a baby, your study cannot take more than a year. <laughs> because after a while they stop being babies, right? Because everything that is a thing is a thing within a time limit. Oh, hey, my kids are home. Um, that's very exciting. That means I'm mapping this up soon. So everything that is a thing is a thing within a time limit. You don't know if you did very well with your kids until they're 20. Hey, do you want to come say hi to the people? Okay. Okay. This is my uh, six-year-old Graham. Come say hi to the people. Hi. My <laughs> birthday's on Christmas. <laughs> this is Graham. Her birthday is on Christmas, and she'll tell anyone who asks. How's your day? Good. Good. All right, so I'm going to finish. Are home early? You are home early. I thought I didn't expect you home for another about 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> I go? had a new bus. You had a new bus. All right, give me five. And we're going to chat once I'm done here, okay? Okay. All right, bye. So, <laughs> say bye to the people. <laughs> all right, I'll see you soon. Um, all right, so 
everything that is a thing is a thing within a time period not just atoms but also molecules and not just molecules whole people you don't know if you've been a good parent i don't know if i'm a good parent you'll see that guy's a good dad i think i'm a good dad we'll find out when she's 20. when she's 20. you can't you can't just take a slice and think you can you can study you can evaluate me based on what you just saw we'll find out if she's 20. lots of time for me to screw up i don't think i will i have a plan but like we'll find out when it's done you know it's kind of like the movie it's a wonderful life any slice of george um any slice of george bailey's um uh uh life is going to be bad but when you look at it as a whole in time through time then it's actually it turns out to be a, a good life right so everything that is is as a matter of time and so when you're studying people and when you're studying so when we study nature if we're going to study the thing that it is we have to do it like within its respective time and if we don't do that he says if we just um if we're kind of biased with respect to how we understand time and we just kind of uh, study things that are kind of short we end up studying destructive phenomena and consider them the only historical events, right? Because it, it, takes, it doesn't take as much time to destroy things as it does to build things. So we, we don't understand how things are built, right? If we only study wealth, if you only study wealth in the course of a lifetime, you don't understand wealth, how wealth is built. If you only study culture, this is, this is this might be the take-home point if you only study culture within a lifetime you don't understand how culture works if you think that girl you just saw when she's 20 years old is going to be a reflection of me or it's going to be a reflection of just her you just see her like randomly and you don't think she's also going to be a reflection of my tutelage you don't understand how this works and honestly honestly they've been studied turns out grandparents right so i am who i am because of my dad my dad's dead now um uh, but he was a pretty, and like my parents divorced when I was young, but he was a pretty powerful and particular influence in my life. And a lot of what I am today is because of how particular he was. And then how like, once he left, like I kind of had to like figure out other things. Um, so, and then I'm going to parent her in a particular way and she's going to be, I think rather sparkly. But, and that's going to be a little bit about her, but it's also going to be because of my dad, who's dead, right? So my dad died before she even started school. But if you wanna know how 20-year-old Graham, that's my daughter, thinks about education in 15 years, and you want like a story about that, it's gonna start with my dad, her granddad, who died before she was even in school. Right? Because my dad was the one who, like, you know, drilled into me that, like, your mind is the only thing that the, the, <laughs> these folks can't take away from you and nobody can steal from you. So you protect it and you grow it and you develop it. And I tell you that and you tell all your people that and I tell her that. And so when she's brilliant and sparkling and takes care of her mind, it's not going to be, you can say, like, well, you know, that's her decision. It's actually going to be because she, like, culturally been groomed to. Um, and when you see her, on in this spot you know um doing the family business in 10 15 years 
or you know yeah 10 15 years you know beats waiting tables she'll be doing the funky academic um it's going to be a time-lapsed it's going to be a time-lapsed uh event what can you have oh yeah yeah we'll talk Thank about you. that yeah we'll talk for about the money for the tomorrow. <laughs> you got a field trip or something what's going on no it's not a field trip but they're doing something like they're selling things all right, we'll talk about this, okay? Yes. All right. Maybe, 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 give maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. No, All right. Just giving money for tomorrow. We know that that's not that's not going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen if you talk to me that way, okay? okay? But we will have the conversation and we'll figure it out, okay? Okay. This is an odd show with me. Keep on it. Keep on. Ah, well, the people will get used to you, and and who knows? Maybe in ten years it'll be you sitting here giving the show. You think you could do that? With many interruptions? Well, not with any. I might interrupt you every now and then. But for the most part, I think you would be able to handle the show on your own in 10, 15 years. We'll talk about it, okay? Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. So. And I will still come again. <laughs> still come again. All right. So what you need to understand is to understand anything to, for anything to be what it is, it elapses through time. And, and you need to study it with its time, with its boundaries and also space um, in mind. So if you're gonna study black wealth and just take a snapshot, you don't understand wealth because wealth doesn't happen in a snapshot, it happens through time. So it's gonna be historical. And so like you have to understand how wealth is created and wealth is created through time, which means that if you're gonna study black wealth, you need, if you can't, you can't just look at um, Venus Williams <laughs> and, and think that like, or Serena Williams at 20, right? And think that like, oh, well, then I understand them. No, it's like the story starts literally before they are born. And to understand them, um, you have to understand what happens before they were born, right? So everything happens within time and getting the right time frame for the thing you're studying is part of what it is to study the thing because things change things change over time right and then you find out things are full so if i talk to someone in 1971 and say was the civil rights movement a success they'll be like yeah and now if i talk to someone in 2021 and, they, and i ask them was the civil rights movement success if they do a lot of study they'll be like i don't know it's complicated because like in terms of home ownership, in terms of incarceration, we're actually worse. In terms of home ownership, in terms of, uh, I, you know, I could bring out the, the, uh, the diagrams, but it's not obvious that like we're that better off in a way from where, where we were in 68. And especially if you go to like 89 or 88, because pretty much after the Cold War, the... <laughs> Like racial justice kind of took a was a like became something that wasn't particularly important. All right, so here we go. Here is here is the data that says like maybe we're not that bad. And the reason why we're not we didn't things kind of stopped after '89 was because once the wall went down, we no longer had to show up um, as anti-racist for the communists. All right, so the first the blue is 1968 and the red is 2018. I'll say that again. The blue is 1968. And the red is 2018. 
And, you know, it's not obvious that we are doing that much better, right? So, but if you just ask people in 71, they'll say that like, yeah, the civil rights uh, movement was, a, was an unqualified success. And that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem because we need to understand it as a qualified success, but you only understand it after you see iterations, after you see how like there was the, the, the how we survived the backlash. Who won the Civil War? Well, if you talk to people in, 19, in 1865, they'll say the North. If you talk to them in 18, you know, 70, they'll say the North because you're in the middle of reconstruction. If you talk to them in 1900, <laughs> the end of reconstruction, I don't know. If you talk to them in the 20s with the second resurgence of the, the Klan and tell them that the North won the Civil War, they'll be like, I guess. Maybe, but like, I don't know. The UDC kind of like, won. So like to understand historical phenomena, you can't just look, you can't just presume um, that they don't happen within time and that, and that your human experience of time actually tells you what the thing is. And, and if you want to understand historical phenomena, you have to actually recreate the, the world through which it emerged. Um, because the world has changed. The world has changed. And, and, and unless it hasn't, right? And like, and that, so you have to figure out the disjuncts and the discontinuities. Um, and this is what the evolutionary approach teaches us, that like actually things do change. So if you're gonna study them, you have to study them in their moment. And their moment might be a few years or it might be forever. Turns out the antebellum South, what we uh, think about the, of the antebellum South is only about 20 years long. Um, is only because uh, before that, like the Southerners were fighting Indians, uh, Native Americans tooth and nail, right? So, you know, what we understand is, is an epoch in time. What we understand is a moment in time. And when we think times change, sometimes they don't because you just had a distorted notion of time. You took a too small slice and you didn't actually understand what you were studying because you understood it as a too small slice. You took, you know, an inner, um, uh, my daughter at six and extrapolated that to my daughter at 20, but it turns out that like, maybe I'm a bad parent. You won't know until my daughter's 20. I think, like I said, I have a lot of plans. So um, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good at this part of the game, but you won't know until my daughter is 20 uh, because it takes time to fully evaluate, right? And you won't know just by looking at her at 20, you'll have to know like me and then you'll have to know my dad. So um, thank you for your understanding. Oh yeah, if you appreciate anything I said, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars um, a month, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. The Collingwood book is very good. It's called Once Again, uh, the, um, the Idea of Nature. So as nature changes through these epochs, ancient nature, things are eternal. So when we study, we study how they move to sustain themselves. You know, the spheres, like the the, the orbits, and it's a movement that sustains itself. <laughs> 
It's cyclical. When we, uh, in the Renaissance, you start seeing creation. Being the, when we study things to understand them, we understand them as created. So we need to study the things that they were created out of and like their design and all of these other aspects. It's new. That's new because it's not natural. It's like <laughs> it's designed and tested. You have to test the materials. Right? And then now we understand things as changing and historical. And that allows a different kind of science. That allows for an evolutionary science. But that means that things are only what they are for a period of time. So when you study something, you're automatically studying it as time-bound, as it happens to occur in a certain time and a certain place. And then how it replenishes itself within that time and within that place and recreates that and, and sustains outward, but it's always bounded by time and place. Right? And if you try to, that'd be like us trying to study wolves by by studying dogs, right? That's no, that's just not the case, right? So you don't study. And, or like us trying to study wealth by just looking at a snapshot of someone's bank account um, and saying that like, well, you know, you guys went to the same school, you made the same decision, why are they rich and you're not? Without looking at the fact that of like inheritances. Money moves through time. Money is time itself time dilated. That's the thing about old money. Old money is a lot of money because money grows in time in these United States. All right. So I hope this has been helpful. Really look at the Collingswood book, especially after you've seen this video. I think you can understand it. I think like most people who are literate, um, the idea of nature, Collingswood. Take care, and I will see you next week.